everybody out there in podcast land. You have set your dial to combat sports with the Rhino, your first, best, and only all-in-company podcast where we cover everything in combat sports. We've been very UFC-heavy lately because why? That's all there's been on. But that has returned to boxing this this week. We do have some boxing stuff, um, but we're not going to go over it because there's so much UFC to get to. We want to make sure we are covering uh the ufc in the best possible ways because that's what i know you want to hear that's what i'm here to bring to you so today we will have our breakdown of ufc fight night i versus calvillo we got drea's drop of the night the, the triumphant return of dre if you will our picks for next weekend's blades versus volkoff main card twitter and voice questions from members of the rhino gang 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 and then my interview with the undefeated rising star of the ufc light heavyweight division from right here in beautiful michigan Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. So let's go ahead and dive right in. As we love to say here at CSWR, last night we had our I versus Calvillo fight night. Uh, and the first prelim that we had was late replacement Christian Aguilera versus Anthony Ivey. Um, Christian Aguilera, and I know it's tempting to say Christina Aguilera, but that's not the dude's name. It's Christian. Uh, he, he We didn't have to wait long, right? He came out against late replacement uh, Anthony Ivey. And in just 59 seconds, he caught him, looked like with a jab, and then a straight two kind of the temple, put Ivy back into the cage where he finished him with some more shots. Uh, that fight was over in just 59 seconds. You'll notice a theme for the first few fights here of under a minute stoppages. Uh, so good fight for the debuting Christian Aguilera. Uh, next move into the the longtime MMA veteran Tyson Nam from Hawaii versus Zaruka Ad- Adeshev. This was our second fight. This was in the flyweight division, and Tyson Nam, man, he cracked uh, Adeshev, who was a really good kickboxer, a glory-level kickboxer, but only had had four MMA fights. Uh, Adeshev kicked him with an inside leg kick. Uh, Nam rode with it, and just beautiful, right, smashing to the fist to the face. Put Adeshev down, hit him with one more for good measure. That was solid. You know, oftentimes when we see somebody get dropped, like that follow-up punch isn't as perfect and clean as last night's was. But, man, did he nail him. Uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the uh, Hendo Bisbing when Hendo dove bomb on him after he'd already did, uh, crushed his face in. But uh, So, yeah, that one was just uh, 32 seconds into the first round. So our second fight, Tyson Dam wins by KO in... The, in the first 32 seconds. Then we moved into the bantamweight bout between Julia Avia and Gina Mazzani. Uh, Julia Avia, first of all, that Mazzani girl made me laugh out loud, literally, when she was like, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> I was like, okay, I kind of like her. I picked Avia, but uh, man, Avila comes across the cage. They both, you know, they both land a couple things, and then she just cracked her with a from the plumb position and inside knee. Uh, I looked like it was maybe to the sternum or the liver. It was the stomach somewhere. Sent Mazzani back kind of careening into the uh, into the cage. Uh, Avia followed up with some beautiful punches. Ended the fight in 22 seconds. So three fights, all under two minutes in total duration. Never been done before. It was pretty, I don't know. It was good and bad. Like, I love the finishes, but like, I didn't like watching for an hour and seeing, you know, less than two minutes of fighting. So then we move on to the uh, the future prelim, which was Mirab Dashvog. Juice is going to get me already. Devashvili versus late replacement Gustavo Lopez. Uh, this was at 140 pound catch weight. This one was the quintessential one way traffic. Uh, no disrespect to Lopez, but 
you know, he's coming from a different organization. He was coming up um, against a, a good fighter in in Mirab, and yeah, this one was really one way traffic. Thirteen takedowns for Mirab, dude. Landed one hundred and ten strikes to. I don't even know if there was a third of that landed by Lopez. Just complete domination by Mirab. Uh, he he made a call out to Sugar Sean. He is he is not ready for Sugar Sean at this point. I don't think. Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see what happens next for him. But a uh, great performance at the 140 pound catchweight for uh, Mirab on that one. Moving our way into the main card, which had a lot of fun ones. Uh, first, we got we had Hannah Cyphers versus um, Maria Agapova, and this was also in the flyweight division. You want to talk about wild exchanges right from the jump? This this was it, dude. There was just leather being thrown, dude. These ladies were whipping punches at each other. Huge. Some were wing shots. Some were straight on uh, down the pipe shots. But, man, it was really fun while it lasted. So this went on for a couple of minutes. It seemed like Agapova was definitely damaging Cyphers a lot more. You can see it on her face. God, I feel, always feel bad for Anna Cyphers. She, she's so shy and awkward already. And then, like, she really shows it on her face when she's in pain. And you're kind of like, oh, man, this poor thing. But, yeah, she, she really took a pretty decent beating last night. Uh, mercifully, towards the end of the first round, there was a uh, – she, she gave her a nice high head kick. That's Agapova over Cyphers. Uh, Cyphers went down, but Gamely popped back up. She could, you could tell she was still pretty, uh, pretty, you know, seeing stars. And Agapova slapped on her rear naked, put the body triangle on, drug her down. Tapped her out. First round, rear naked choke for uh, Agapova. Next, we moved into the Bantamweight division with Jordan Espinoza uh, versus Mark De La Rosa. This was, if you look at the strike count on this one, this really tells the tale, dude. 188 to 43. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're not talking about one of the later on in the card decisions, close decisions. This was really one-way traffic, okay? Great jab by Espinoza. Great leg kicks. Uh, De La Rosa just seemed a step slower. I've seen him perform better than that in the cage, but man, it was Espinosa's night last night. He looked so crisp. So unanimous decision in the Bantamweight division for Jordan Espinosa. Uh, moving our way, um, moving our way onto Aguilar versus Charles Rosa. This one actually could have gone either way. I thought this was a split decision. Rosa got the nod. Um, but again, I thought this was super duper close. I had picked Boston strong Charles Rosa. I thought, he was going to be kind of the clear-cut winner. Not the case. Aguilar did a great job. The strike count was very close, 69-53 to 53 in favor of Rosa. Uh, again, it, it could have gone really either way. So good performance by both guys. Charles Rosa, a good victory at the lightweight division, coming off of his, um, coming off of his last fight. So good job on him. Uh, then we move into the featherweight division with Andre Touchy-Feely, the longtime Team Alpha Male product, going against uh, Charles Jourdain. So... Again, this one was back and forth the whole way through. I actually thought that, again, this was close. I actually thought they might have given it to Jordan because I thought he was landing a little bit more. Touchy-feely was landing harder, and it seemed to have more effect on Charles. So, I mean, as far as damage goes, I thought Feely was um, was a little bit more the uh, aggressor in that regard. Uh, Jordan put on a great performance. He actually outlanded Touchy-feely 65-52, to 52, but like I said, Touchy-feely's punches and strikes seem to have more effect. So I think that's why he got the nod. It was a, it was an entertaining fight. I really enjoyed it. Uh, then moving on to the middleweight division with Marvin Vittori versus Carl Robertson. This was a fight that had been canceled, I think twice. Okay. And uh, Vittori was none too pleased because it wasn't his fault. Um, they, they came out and they exchanged. It is some nice 
grappling exchanges, I thought. Uh, at one point, Vittori had uh, Robertson in a in a front choke, and Robertson kind of like dove off of the cage. There's a really cool picture on UFC.com if you want to check it out where it almost looks like he's flying <laughs> or that Vittori is picking him up in a front headlock, kind of like Thunderlips did to Rocky in there fighting <laughs> Rocky too. But uh, yeah, so Vittori stayed on him, got on top, grabbed, you know, did some good ground and pound. Once, once Carl kind of adjusted to try to get away from the ground and pound, he opened himself up to the first round sub by rear naked choke. Uh, you know, like I said, Vittori did some ground and pound, which led into the rear naked. Uh, he got it. It was over. Now they can both move on from all this nonsense. Roberson was five pounds overweight. I think he needs to figure something else out. I know he had some health issues before. Let's hope he can get sorted out. Uh, and we'll see what's next for Vittori. You know what? I was surprised to see Vittori's only 26, right? He's got a lot of time to grow and to, um, and to, you know, improve his skill set. So we might hear some noise from him down the line. Uh, then we moved into the flyweight. Main event between Jessica Evil Eye, fan favorite Jessica Evil Eye, versus other fan favorite Cynthia Calvillo. Um, the first round, Jessica Eye definitely, I thought, won. I thought she definitely had the advantage. And then the next four were all Calvillo. You want to talk about, like, eight takedowns, dude. I'm sorry. You want to talk about over eight minutes of top control. That's what Calvillo had over I. She had no problem taking her down. She had a great plan once she got there, right? She did a great job of top control. She outlanded Jessica 150 to 70 as far as strength. So there was no way around it. I can't believe Jessica I was raising her arms, you know, at the end as if she had a chance of winning. But we all know who watched it. That was Calvillo all day. So, yeah, five-round unanimous decision for Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, you know, not again, this was not the sexiest card on paper, but at the same time, I thought this fight card really delivered. I said it before and I'll say it again. A lot of times these are the cards that really provide some pretty cool finishes, A, and then B, you get to learn about some new people you don't know about and kind of see what they are, uh, what they're going to bring to the cage. And that's what helps the sport grow. So yeah, I was definitely a fan of last night. I enjoyed it and I'm really looking forward to next weekend. So on that note, uh, D Reigns, why don't we give Drea a call and we can lead off with her drop of the night and go with our main card picks for next week's Blades versus Volkov. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get our way into Drea's drop of the night. We've got the triumphant return after a one-week hiatus from, from the beautiful, the smart, the great fight caller, the Muay Thai queen that she is, Drea. Thank you so much for being with us again today, my friend. Good to be back. Great to have you back. So, Drea's Drop of the Night is one of a one of our favorite segments. So, Drea, who did you have from last night's I versus Calvillo fight night as your Drea's Drop of the Night? Well, there was definitely no shortage of drops to pick from last night. I thought it was going to be a night of decisions, but didn't quite turn out that way. But there's one KO that just blew me away, and that was Tyson Nam. Uh, Tyson threw that beautiful counter right after a leg kick and oh man that counter was lights out for Zurich. Uh, he landed that right perfectly and dropped him to the canvas and then uh, hit him with that one last shot on the ground that put him out cold. So scary KO uh, and I definitely look forward to seeing more of Nam in the future. So Drea's drop of the night goes to Tyson Nam. Excellent pick my friend and definitely people look forward to Drea will post a uh 
we'll post a you know a clip of that drop of the night and then we'll probably sure. we'll put that on uh on instagram as well so we are going to go ahead and get into next week's card which again we'll have more people i think talking less shit because there are some pretty big names some pretty big implications uh, <coughs> as far as the divisions go so we're going to go ahead and uh, get started on that so i'll pick first with i mean there's no question if you follow me at all on twitter you know i stand for marion the belizean bruiser renault former interviewee of combat sports rhino and my dear friend i've definitely got marion the belizean bruiser renault beating rocky pennington by unanimous decision that's my pick Dre, what do you got for that one my friend I have the exact same pick. I'm going with Marion for unanimous decision as well. Beautiful. Now, before we get into the next pick, uh, you and I both picked very, very well last night. We both had uh, an extremely high winning rate last night, which is now for me is two weeks in a row. The week mm-hmm. before the week before last, I did terrible. So I'm <laughs> on a two-fight calling win streak, Doing good, feeling good, feeling strong. I know you did last week and this week you did well as well. So we'll see how we do on this upcoming card. So moving into the second uh, fight on the main card, we got Roosevelt Roberts coming off of his very recent win, going against the longtime veteran. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's been around forever, uh, been there, (laughs) done that, got the T-shirt. You're talking about Jim Miller from out of New Jersey. I love Jim Miller. I love all the guys that he's faced. They're just top, top tier. But I don't know, man. Something about Roosevelt Roberts is different. His size, his length, his ability to throw shots from odd angles. I just think if he can avoid being taken down a lot by Jim Miller and controlled, then I think Roosevelt Roberts is going to get this done. I think Jim's very tough and he'll last a couple rounds. But I think somewhere in the third, I've got Roosevelt Roberts get to the TKO over Jim Miller. What is your take on this one? Okay, so we are uh, different on this one. I am going to take Jim Miller. Um, I think he's going to go the full fight. And um, like you said, with him, he's been around a long time. And I think uh, with his takedowns, and um, I think he's going to be able to pull through, go through the whole fight, and take the, uh, the decision on that. So you've got Jim Miller by unanimous decision. All righty. Uh, moving our way to our next fight with Bilal Muhammad versus Lyman Good. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, longtime guy to Chicago, longtime Rufus Sport uh, fighter. He he never he never disappoints, dude. I always like watching him in the in the cage. Lyman Good, another great fighter. Um, again, this one's really close. Uh, I get. I think this would be like you know a, a one off as far as I think they would probably rotate wins if they fought ten times because they're that closely matched up. I think Bilal Muhammad has a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more heat in his punches. I like his stand-up a little bit better than good. So I've got Bilal Muhammad by unanimous decision in this one. What about you? Um, I This was a tough one for me, too. So as much as I hate to admit it, I'm actually just kind of guessing on this one because I feel like they're so equally matched. But um, I'm going to take Bilal Muhammad as well, um, but via TKO. Okay. Yeah, we want to do a round pick on that one? Uh, let's go third. Let's go third indeed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't write that down, but I'll I'll jot it down. <laughs> write that. Write that down. Is it love the same thing? Yes. Write, write, write that down. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we went our way to the co-main. We got Josh Emmett, another longtime uh, team alpha male product versus Shane Burgos, great fighter. Uh, I think Josh Emmett is 
going to be in like the form that we've seen him in before where he's crushing people. I just have a feeling that this is going to be like the comeback of the Josh Emmett of old. I see Josh Emmett uh, stopping Shane Burgos in the second round by clean KO, not TKO, a clean KO for Josh Emmett over Shane Burgos. What do you got, Drea? I have Josh Emmett as well, but I with a KO as well, but I'm thinking first round. I think he's going to do it in the first. I think I had the second round, right? So you, yeah, you had second. I had first. All right. So we got the same call just in different rounds. All right. Now we're going to move our way up to my favorite division. As everybody knows, I stand the heavyweights, uh, Curtis (laughs) razor blades versus Alexander Volkov. Uh, this is an interesting fight, dude, because you've got a great, you got two tall, big guys, first off, and then you got Volkov who's going to want to stay on the outside and strike, and you got Curtis Blaze who's going to want to take it to the take it to the cage, get in the clinches, make it dirty, grind them out, um, possibly try to take him down and get the ground and pound. But I just see a lot of this being there's be a lot of against the fence, right? I, th- I see a lot of against the cage, some pummeling and some clinch work and some dirty boxing from both guys. I think Curtis will be able to uh, implement his game plan a little bit better. And I think this is going to be a grinder, dude. I don't see, I don't see this uh, getting finished early. I think this is going to be a grinder to the end. So I've actually got Curtis Blades beating Alexander Volkov by unanimous decision, but it's going to be very, very close because I think Volkov will have spots where he clearly outstrikes Curtis, but I also think Curtis will be able to take him down some. I think he'll be able to have some ground and pound. I think there'll be a lot of against the cage inside fighting that definitely benefits Curtis Blades. What is your take on this one, Drea? Okay, so I actually have Alexander Volkov winning this um, by a split decision. I think it's going to go the full distance, but I think Volkov's going to come out on top with the split decision on that. That is certainly a possibility I could see happening as well. These guys are very, it's a very interesting matchup. I'm really looking forward to it. This is a very cool uh, this is a very cool like mixed bag of stylistic matchups in uh in this upcoming fight card. So I'm really looking forward to it. This whole summer is just, I mean, come on, dude. Some of these fight cards are just amazing. I'm looking forward to all of them. Uh, This one has a great card, has a great feel to it. And of course, I know we just covered the main card, but of course, whenever Roxanne Modafferi fights, we're all, even if she's on the prelims, we're going to mention her. I of course (laughs) have Roxanne winning against Lauren Murphy. Clear cut, unanimous decision. Do you want to make a pick on that one too? For our, for our feature prelim, we'll call it. I'm going Roxy all the way. <laughs> I agree. I'm I'm picking uh unanimous decision for Roxanne. Hell yeah, dude. Over here at Team CSWR, we are Team Roxy all day, every day, twice on Sunday. So we've got uh we've got one Twitter question today. We got a lot of voice questions this week. Um we didn't get a ton of Twitter questions, which is all right. So we've got my our both of our dear friends, Cyrus <laughs> King, the king of Twitter food porn himself. So Cyrus King at Cyrus King, what does he have for us today, Drea? Well, first, shout out Cyrus for my job security and giving me something to read. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Your job is safe no matter what. (laughs) I need Twitter questions to read. Come on, guys. (laughs) Okay, so Cyrus says, though Cynthia Camille won, uh, were you impressed by her performance? Do you think she can make a run in her new division? Yeah, Cyrus, I was impressed with her with her takedowns. Look, for all the bad that we say about Jessica I and all the things about her personality, we don't like she's a pretty good fighter, okay? And she was the number one contender. Yes, yeah, she got separated from consciousness by Shevchenko, but I mean, 
That's Shevchenko, right? So Jessica, I still a pretty good fighter. She has some good wins. Calvillo was moving up, you know, from 115 to 125 and going against the number one contender. So when you were showing the ability to take her down as often as she did, showing that top control, like I talked about a little bit before, uh, that all being said, yes, I did find her impressive. Is she even, she did be the number one contender, but is she even on the same level as some of the other girls? I don't know yet at 25, right? We got to wait and see. I think she's two to three fights away from, uh, and wins away from even being in the, mentioned in the title uh, picture. So for the 125-pound division here, a couple of fights I would like to see her get. Someone like Andrea Lee would be a good fight for her, a nice test for her. Someone like Vivian Arujo would be another one. Uh, these are both girls who are higher ranked, and they're lower ranked than Jessica High, but they're obviously higher ranked than Calvillo. Um, these are fights that i like to see to kind of see where she's at as far as not just a one-fight deal over Jessica, I at 25, but kind of give her more of a, uh, like a portfolio to kind of look at and say, okay, we think she's ready. She's built, she's built enough foundation to get to the top here. But unfortunately at the end of that, it's Valentina. <laughs> so it really doesn't matter how far you go them. As long as she's there, we're, she's going to most likely win. Right. So great question, my friend Cyrus. So uh, we are going to move into our voice question. So it's at this point where we say goodbye to our dear friend, Andrea, Andrea, we 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 did what best we could last week in your definitely necessary hiatus. <laughs> um, we know that Smokey is in a beautiful, wonderful place up in the sky. We're sorry for your loss, but at the same time, we want to let you know how much we love you. We are so glad to have you back, and you are absolutely critical and essential worker as far as the CSWR <laughs> crew is concerned. So you've always got a place with us. Okay, great. Thanks for having me, and I'll see you next week. Now, folks, we're going to get into our voice questions from the Rhino gang today. Uh, my man, Jim Asun, who I know has, has been off of MMA Twitter for a while. So we're glad to I was sure glad to hear his voice and, uh, you know, make sure that he's doing all right. He just needs to take a break for a while, which we all can completely understand. Jim and then my dear friend, Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shows. Uh, the 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 Einstein graphic design, my, my guy, uh, both of their questions kind of blended together a little bit. They asked kind of a similar question. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play them both back to back and then answer them simultaneously. So D Reigns, go ahead and take it away where Jim will then lead into Dave Fretz, please, sir. What's going on, you bunch of casuals? Ryan, my man, my question for you this week is about this pay structure, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. You know, Dana's going on about, you know, you're not going to make the same amount of money post-COVID that you did pre-COVID, you know, which is not going to happen. Well, my boss didn't cut my wages. As a matter of fact, I don't know anybody who lost or got their wages cut back because of COVID. I don't know one person. Actually, I, I really don't know them, but I know that I'm hearing that UFC fighters are not getting as much money. Now, the NFL and all that bullshit, that's wrong because they're still going to make the same amount of money per game as what they would any other normal schedule. It's just going to be less games, so it's going to be less money that way. It's still the same amount of money per game. What's your thoughts on that, buddy? It is what it is, and it's always 420. Peace. Uh, what's up, brother man? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz, not so little shoes on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, i got a question for you this week regarding fighter pay equity within the UFC after an absolutely wild week on MMA Twitter. Uh, that included Jessica I fighting everybody on Twitter uh, the night before her fight. Wild. Anyways, man, uh, what are your thoughts uh, regarding 
uh, fighter pay equity within the UFC specifically. Um, does the UFC have a little too much of a monopoly here? Um, how damaging is this to um, the league in the long run, uh, to fighters' careers, uh, considering they are so short? Um, it's been really eye-opening to listen to Gray explain what he's gone through in his experience. Uh, do you think it's changing? What do you think needs to change? Where do they go from here? Uh, maybe this deserves a whole episode. I don't know. Anyways, your thoughts. Yeah, Jim and Dave. So here's, you know, obviously this has been a very uh, hotly contested subject, a very, um, you know, a very hot button issue, especially as of late with John Jones and Jorge Masvidal kind of saying that we're not being paid what we're worth and so on and so forth. So, and then of course, uh, recent guest of CSWR Gray Maynard with his uh, fabulous uh, explanation of his kind of pay experience with the UFC. Sam Stout recently came out. So, of course, this is this is a very this is a very interesting and it's also a very difficult subject to kind of unpack, right? So, I'm going to do my best here. Um, yeah, as, as far as the part about Dana saying they can't pay as much post-COVID as pre, I'm not really buying it. I know that the gate is a, definitely a source of income for the UFC, but for me, they're still bringing in so much in from the ESPN and Reebok deal. There's there's no reason that anybody's fighter pay should be lower pre you know post COVID as pre. So that, let's let's throw that out the window. Um, my answer is this: I'll bet, and you know, this is one of the very few subjects I think MMA Twitter is almost unanimous. It feels like is that is that the UFC fighters are being grossly underpaid. Period. Right. Instead of just bitching about. That, that you know that being the fact let, let's let's actually try to explore a couple of ways that we could see improving fighter pay and as far as e equality in, in fight pay across the board okay fighter pay across the board to be honest is more what i'm concerned about right like of course guys who are making millions of dollars deserve possibly more but i'm more concerned with the guys who are making just a few thousand dollars when they already paid for their camp and they paid for their coaches and they paid for all these things and they're only grossing a few thousand dollars. Like those are the guys I'm more worried about guys and girls uh, across the board. So the ESPN deal and the Reebok deal or whoever might replace Reeboks. I heard that that might be a thing. Um, I've heard rumblings that it might be under armor, but if another clothing company does come along and replace Reebok, they should have a much larger percentage allocated to all the fighters who fight on every card. I'd like to see a minimum fighter pay cap instituted. So does that mean it's 20,000, 30,000, I'm not sure. I think it should be based on the, um, how much the UFC is bringing in per year and then divvied up through fighters. You know, they have more than 200 people like on contract. So they've got a lot of fighters, but come on, there's no way that there should be this much discrepancy between how much the UFC is bringing in and how much they are paying their fighters who, but let's be honest, there is no company without the fighters, right? That is your product. So I'd like to see a minimum fighter pay cap instituted uh, for, for both fight night cards and pay-per-views because it wouldn't be fair uh, to, to the fighters if you gave guys who were on and girls who were on the pay-per-view more than you were on the people who were on fight night. So there has to be a across the board minimum cap and then that should be grow uh, as far as how many fights you have in the UFC and it should grow exponentially not just another thousand bucks you know from the time you fight between fights five and six but something considerably more than that particularly if you're someone who has fought for the company 
uh, a few times, it should keep on escalating uh, to to a point. I, I really believe that. I believe there should be absolutely a minimum uh, pay cap instituted. As far as as far as parts of the ESPN deal and parts of Reebok, we don't know what that is, right? I don't think it's ever been made public. I'm sure somebody could, you know, somehow figure that out. But I really don't know. I mean, I know it's it's 500 million or something from ESPN, but I don't know exactly how much who gets what. So again, there should be a percentage of that allocated to the fighters without question. I understand that no gate means no money being brought in right now. Like I get that. That is that is clear as day. And you know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second and say I am I'm so happy that we have have had UFC fights. Dana has been the only one and the UFC brass have been the only ones who have put together, you know, this level of sport, at least in combat sports uh, in the entire world. And they've kept it going. So I give them major kudos for that. The, The factor remains this. Fighters are underpaid. We're hearing more stories. More of this is going to come out. It's bad. It's not just bad for business, but it's bad PR. So let's pay the fighters more than they're paying. Let there become a minimum cap and then start to build on it from there as far as how many fights you have in the company. Let's get guys paid. We don't want to have the stories where someone is, you know, broken out of the sport three or four years after being, you know, an upper upper mid-card upper guy. That's just bad. That's a bad look on everybody, and it isn't right. So uh, definitely I hope I answered your guys' question. Both of you guys are my bros. I appreciate you very, very much. Thank you so much, Jim, and thank you so much, Dave. So we are now going to move into my homie Ryan, the Mixta Man from up in Minnesota. Uh, Ryan, what did you have for us this week? Hey, Rhino. It's Mixta Man. How are you, buddy? Who was the biggest standout last night, uh, in your opinion, in terms of just who do you see going on to fight for a title? Um, Who's really going to make a mark in the division out of all of last night's winners? Get at me, buddy. Hey, my dude. Good to hear from you. Uh, First off, no one last night really gave me the thought that they're like, title contenders anytime soon. However, I do think that Mary Agapova at just 23 years old could someday keep improving. You know, if she keeps improving and she keeps growing and she keeps maybe goes to a, you know, keeps accelerating her camps, you know, going from smaller to bigger, to bigger, to bigger, to get more training and to get more sharpening up at just 23. I know we didn't get a huge, you know, a, a huge look at all that she can do last night, but I really liked her. I like her size for the division. I like the way that she has, both boxing and grappling already in her background before she got into MMA. She was very impressive in the flyweight division. So I think she does have the capability to keep climbing. I think we could see her making some serious noise in the 125 pound division just a few years down the road. Cause like I said, she's only 23 dude. So she's got a lot of room to grow. And uh, I was impressed and she seemed to take, she seemed to take it all in stride, man. I was, I was very impressed with her, but again, like I talked about with Calvia, <laughs> the bad news is, there's a queen sitting on her throne at the at the mountaintop of 125. That's Valentina Shevchenko, and I don't see her relinquishing that anytime soon. So that's my answer for that one. Thank you so much, uh, Ryan. And I know my boy Juice has a couple of questions, but we'll start with his first one. What, is, what does Juice have for us in his first question today? D Reigns. Hey, Rhino. It's Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. What's up to all the Rhino gang? Even anyone that soft-blocked and muted me, I still got love for you, too, even if you don't know it. My question for you is this, Rhino. When are fight fans going to stop being so goddamn spoiled and stop judging cards on paper? Last night, we had three devastating KOs to start off the night. We ended up getting two submissions later on. 
And every single fight that went to decision delivered, in my opinion. And we got to see Jessica I get dominated by Cynthia Calvillo, which is a good fucking night, in my opinion. But all, all week we had to hear how shit of a card this was. Oh no. And I hate the term casual because I, I hate to shame anyone for being casually interested in anything. But one of these fucking idiots on MMA Twitter are going to shut up. That's my question. <laughs> Juice. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, dude. Um, I do think it's the more that this happens. And what this is, is having really fun and exciting fights on a card that everybody was shitting on, you know, on paper. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people were shitting on prior to. I think the more that that happens where it's one of those cards, but but it delivers. I think there's going to be less and less and less people who are going to be just just shitting on it on Twitter and on other forms of social media as far as this car is going to suck and I don't want to watch it, yada, yada, yada. I think that's going to get less and less, not only because more people are watching every week and they're getting more fans who are uh, more educated about it, but I just think people are like, okay, even though it may look like it's not that sexy on paper, it's still delivered. Look, the last two or three I thought that way delivered, so I'm not going to talk shit about this one. That's kind of what I'm hoping happens uh, with these UFC cars where there isn't a ton of star power. But again, it's something that helps the sport grow. It lets us see people who are on the come up or kind of see, I don't know, maybe somebody we've never seen before. So yeah, for, for me, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's ever going to stop happening, but I think it will lessen uh, the more these, these, these cards with not a, not a ton of names uh, delivers a lot of really fun fights. So thank you juice for your first question. I know we got, Juice Part 2 next, so D-Reigns, what do we got? What's up, Combat Sports of Rhino fans? This is Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. Like I said in my previous message, which may or may not get played, I got love for everybody, even the ones that have me muted. And I got a question for you, Rhino. See, I've been uh, I've been a proponent for the no crowds thing for since this whole thing started. I'm loving it. No wooing, no fucking, you can hear the corners. The commentary is clear. Uh, you can hear the punches and kicks better. It's just, there's so many positives about it. But one thing I noticed last night that I fucking hate, and I don't know if this is uh, due to the fact that there's no fans, but they weren't showing hardly any of the walkouts. And that really pisses me off. That's one of my favorite things about combat sports, the pageantry. Uh, it really gets me in the mood. If someone has a, you know, if I'm not sure about a fighter and then they have a banging walkout song, I'm like, yeah, go get this W. So my question for you is, why 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 are they stopping showing these walkouts? Like, what are we gonna do, huh? Dude, I could not agree more. I love the walkouts. I always have. It's part of the whole process, dude. Particularly as a fan watching, like, there's a lot of things that I look for to fight. First, of course, and most of us are the same way. We love the walkout music, whether they pick something really cool that we already like or something that we think is apropos for their style or, or how it pertains to them or would it be like a vague shit talk to somebody like the other guy you know what i mean could it be something like like i'm gonna knock you out or whatever the case uh, i've always liked the walkouts i love that part of the game um another thing is you can kind of get your first look at the fighter so you can see if they're like super stoic or if they look like they're really really nervous or if they're laughing and joking or if they're just really excited and they're jumping up and down and and screaming and can't wait to get to the cage. These are all things that are kind of tells. I mean, obviously, they're not exactly what's going to happen in the cage, but it gives you kind of a feeling early on about what kind of uh, what kind of attitude they're bringing into the cage, which I always love. So, dude, 
I, I definitely love the walkouts. And yeah, I was bummed we didn't get to see Mindy last night. I definitely love it. I'm completely with you. I, I'm fine with there not being like pride level walkouts anymore with all that extreme pageantry, but I sure do like a normal, uh, as we're used to, UFC walkout where we watch them come out, make the long walk into the cage. Slap the fans, high five, see who gets their hat stolen by, a, by an egregious crowd member. So, yeah, I'm with you, buddy, on that one. Oh, and by the way, please check out Juice at the Fighting With Myself podcast. It is a great podcast about MMA. Uh, he, he sings. He He's funny. He's got a great insight at MMA. So definitely shout out to Juice and the Fighting With Myself podcast. Now, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, you want to talk about somebody who is making all the noise in the 205-pound division the 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 future as i'm going to call him of 205 what a great striker it was such an impressive win over Clyde Abreu uh in his in his last fight in the UFC totally totally impressive uh, i can't say enough nice things about the guy let's get into our interview going 10 rounds with rhino jamal sweet dreams hill everybody at combat sports with rhino you are in for a treat today with me going 10 rounds with Rhino is, he's on everybody's lips, let's be honest. He is the he is the next wave of 205 talent right here from beautiful Michigan. My man, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. How are you today, sir? All right, brother. How you doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. I'm certainly grateful to be talking to you today. Uh, so we've got our 8-0. We've got, we got an 8-0 guy who has come on the scene uh, it, it seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, I know it's not, but that's how it feels. Uh, he, he is absolutely one of those guys that everyone is buzzing about. You got to watch. So, Jamal, round one is where we really try to find out where, uh, you know, where our fighters kind of got their start. So what kind of got you into MMA? I mean, just the fact that I was just already fighting. I always got into fights and stuff like that, you know, and uh, – one of my bros, I seen that he, he was doing it, and uh, I always been into martial arts since I was a kid. You know, I walked into a gym, and I started training, and I just never left. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so when you started watching it, like when you kind of got into it, was there was there one fighter that you really became a fan of? That you were like, oh, that's my guy, and really followed his career. Was yeah. there somebody that stood out for you? Yeah, that was uh, Anderson Silva. Oh, for me, that. Yeah, he was a dog. What a what a great choice. There's few strikers ever that could uh, match resumes with Anderson Silva. Fact that it, it wasn't just the fact that it was striking. It was the fact that he outstruck the strikers and he outgrappled the ground. <laughs> right. I mean, he submitted Dan Henderson. You know what I'm saying? He submitted. Yes. Uh, he made he made Travis Luther uh, tap out, you know what I mean, from strikes on the ground. And he, you know what I mean, off his back. And my yeah. man, wait. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I absolutely remember that. Yeah, he had Luter in a triangle, and he was hitting with elbows, and Luter was yep. supposed to be this jiu-jitsu wizard, and Anderson showed him who the real wizard was that day. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. I was pissed off, and I left. I left out of the – um. I was at Applebee's watching that fight. Applebee's by my house, and I had left. You know what I mean? But also, I left, like, my, I mean, I had a family situation. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah. then I found out that he won. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I was like, at first when I found out he won, I'm like, oh, man, UFC rig, all oh, this and that. You know what I mean? Then I was like, oh, he won by submission. I was like, oh, man, that man is 
beast. Right? <laughs> and he did it all with a broken rib. People forget that part of the story, but he had a broken rib going into that fight, took a four-round beating, and then pulled out the sub at the end. What an amazing... You know, it's funny, too. I was also at Applebee's watching that fight. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the place to go at that time. Uh, Jamal, for those of you, for those of my listeners who don't know, you're from Grand Rapids. I'm from the Detroit area. So that's on the other side of the state for me. But uh, in, during my pro career, I fought in Grand Rapids several times, uh, Holland too. So did you, on the come up, did you ever fight like at the Orbit Room or the Delta Plex or Fifth Third Field or any of those places out in Grand Rapids? Damn, man. I thought you did some research, man. Yeah. I was the king. <laughs> I was the king of the Delta Plex. Yeah, I fought at the Delta Plex. I fought out in Highland. Um, I fought in Big Rapids. I fought in Muskegon. I fought in White Cloud, Cedar Springs. I fought a few so you, places. Yeah, so you definitely fought through the Grand Rapids circuit. That's for doggone sure. Which is, you know, which for people who don't know, the regional circuit is good out in Grand Rapids. People don't often talk about the scene in West Michigan, but there's a lot of good fighters uh, that, you know, that fought through there and trained in that area. So absolutely no shortage of talent. Um, could you take us back to, go, 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 sorry, go ahead. That's where Cody Stammen came from. You know what I mean? We got big dog, me. That's where I came from. Man, we got, you know what I mean? Quan fought on the other side. fought over here. Uh, Chaos fought over here. I mean, we've all shared cards, like, we were all on the same car, and all we all three in the UFC. Right. Yeah, they, they, it's absolutely it's a beautiful thing. I mean, uh, uh, Jamal, can you take us back to high school, like the high school version of Sweet Dreams? What were there? Were there sports you were into? Was there a certain? Uh, was there a certain academic class that you were into? Like, what was what was the Sweet Dreams version in high school like? I mean, I was a kid, man. I was I was in the sports. I went to school. I did my school work. You know what I mean? Showed with my friends, hung out, went to parties. To me, what a typical, typical stuff is. Sure. I had my, my, whatever that I had going on and things that I did or whatever, but yeah, I was, I've always been an athlete. I've always been a good person. Yeah, dude, definitely. Um, so the, uh, the the Rhino Gang knows that's my that's my loyal listeners. The Rhino Gang they know um, my 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 interviews almost always include a food question. I love talking to fighters about food. Um, what after you've done the weight cut and after the training camp is over and like everything is all good and you can really indulge in a great meal. Where what is Sweet Dreams going to? What's the what's the go to meal for uh, Jamal Hill? You mean pre fight or post fight? Post-fight, you can have whatever you want, post-fight. Um, man, I don't really have no go-to, man, but, I mean, I just, shit, probably tacos, I guess, tacos. I like lasagna. I like my wings, you know. Sure. <laughs> I'm definitely with you on all three of those. Um, now, for a lot of people oh, may not it, know it, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Ribs. Ribs. Ice oh, cream. yes. Cook, cookies, I love cookies. <laughs> We just get it. We just get. We get. Around. I get around. I get around. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> a wide variety. I, I don't um, know. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, in only your fourth pro fight, you fought UFC veteran Daquan the Tarantula Townsend, who he had like thirty fights or more at the time. 
again, in only your fourth fight, you beat Next him. You're, yeah, your uh, your contender series fight versus Alexander Popek, who had like 13 fights, you beat him. Your UFC debut versus Darko, he had like 17 fights, you beat him. Uh, two Saturdays ago against Abreu, who had like 19, you beat him. What is it One. about you? Yeah, yes, sir. What is it about you and your style that just, or even maybe just your personality that lets you go into these fights with these guys who are so much more experienced and make them look like you've got three or four times the experience that they do? I've been fighting for a long time. Um, this my culture, the, the teachings, the things that I've been taught. You know, um, me as a person, my IQ, my level of um, my this my presence, man. Um, like, uh, all right, put it like this: I've been fighting since 2010. All right, a lot of these dudes went pro after like maybe like one or two, or they didn't even have an amateur career. I had 13 fights as an amateur. You know what I'm saying? So I've had, so yeah, yeah my pro career I've already got. That's like what 21 fights of experience. So you, know you definitely, you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, people, I do, I do, I do talk about how high you take my pro record for the experience that I actually have. Right. So you, so we're talking about 13 pro, I'm sorry, 13 AMI fights plus the, the eight pro. So we're talking about 21 fights. So yeah, we're talking about a decade long uh, career. So you definitely have plenty of in cage experience, um, which you're relying on. Undefeated. And I absolutely talk about, sorry, go ahead. I said undefeated. I've been Absolutely. with the same guy for 10, years, for, for 10 years, and we ain't never put a game plan together that we didn't dominate with. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're talking about last Saturday. Well, it's actually two Saturdays ago now against the Brayu. The finishing sequence started with a crushing knee to the body. Um, is that a technique that you've been working on in training, the, the body, the knee to the body, or was that something you just kind of improvised yeah, I, in, in the moment? I don't even really throw knees in training. Like, for real. I really don't. Like, when I spar, I don't throw knees, none of that. It's just a natural thing for me. So you just saw the, you saw the opportunity. It, it's, it felt right. It sounded right. And you just cracked it with that beautiful knee, huh? Well, it started, it started with that right hook. That right hook caught him, caught him clean. I caught him, like, clean, like right, right, uh, like, right above the ear, right behind the temple upside his head. I hit him, right. and he, like, kind of crumpled inside. So my hand kind of wrapped around his neck already into a clinch. So I felt him coming forward, so I just threw the knee up. Clinched him to do the knee. And then finished him off on the ground. And, you know, it's so it was it was such a beautiful sequence. I was screaming. I was cheering. I mean, yes. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm biased towards Michigan guys. We, you know what I mean? I'm always out of here. So if a Michigan guy, you, Cody, whoever it is, I'm always here for him. I don't care. I was screaming at the TV, dude. Um, so in the days following that fight at the UFC Apex, uh, you voiced some displeasure about not getting a bonus, and I agree with you a thousand percent for your first round stoppage. What were what were most of the responses uh, to that tweet for you that day? No uh, mixed feelings here and there. Some people felt well. Some people agree. Some people say they little smart, smart ass, little troll, uh, fake okay. account comment, you know, was what it was. I just said how I felt, and then I left it at that. Right. Well, if it's any consolation, not only myself, but the vast, vast majority of the people that I talked to, we couldn't have agreed more. You absolutely deserved the bonus on that. And uh, hopefully next time there's no way around it. 
where you get that because I feel like your next fight, no matter who it is, my friend, is going to be another one of those explosive finishes, and we are going to demand. We help, we'll, I'll start a campaign if need be to get the bonus to my man, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. So uh, I talked about it a little bit on my show last week. Uh, you're, you're a very tall guy, but many tall guys don't fight tall. They give up their height. You actually fight tall. Again, I, I talked about how cerebral of a fighter you are, and you brought it up a little bit a little bit ago too because you absolutely do have an extremely high fighter IQ. The way you fight in there, um, you're always a step ahead of your opponent. Not only your undefeated record says that, but when you just watch you in the cage, you can tell how you are a step ahead of the game of your opponent. Did anyone along the way kind of show you or teach you how to fight tall or fight with range, or was that another thing that just kind of came naturally to you? I learned, like, I was naturally good, like, you know what I mean, whenever I first came in, and things like that, but I didn't understand, I didn't have the knowledge, and I linked up with Johnny Gridwire, he gave me the knowledge and the understanding of things where I can start to be comfortable with things, you know what I mean, he taught me, he taught me what the real striking was, as opposed to just, all right, there's raw talent, like, yeah, you're raw talented, but you need to understand, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. Uh, so yeah, there, yeah. So it's clear to me, it was clear to me and clear to everybody who watches you. It, it is a, it is not just that you're tall, but you have. He has kind of showed you how to fight tall correctly. Your skill set is so good. I think though, Johnny is five, like five foot six. You know what I'm saying? He's a he's a little guy, so I know how to fight it. Every I know how to fight it every single range. It ain't just the fact that like when I threw that knee, that was close range. You know what I'm sure saying? Was. I know how to fight at every single range. You know what I mean? He taught me how he basically, I'm a big man, but he taught me, he showed me how to fight like a little guy. You know what I'm saying? How to utilize things. You know what I mean? That just aren't natural to, you know what I mean, for this weight class or this weight division. Sure. So you so you could get matched up with, the, you know, a 5'8 fire hydrant wrestler and do just as well against another 6'4, six, 6'5 six, lean striker. So you're ready to rock and roll at any range. That's that's fantastic. And again, we've been we've been singing your praises on my show ever since you, you debuted or actually even since the Contender Series. Uh, so we, we, we absolutely agree with you over here about we see we see fighters all the time, dude. We you know, I was a pro fighter for 10 years. I've watched a million and a half fights. You know, when something different comes along. Right. You know, when someone has that not only the skill set inside, but just that that extra something, that confidence inside the cage. And you absolutely uh, exude that and so we are we are so stoked to see uh what's next for you so we are now careened my friend to the 10th round with rhino what we call the wild card round where anything can happen okay so you're you're a very young man but just imagine if you can it's 20 years from now sweet dreams has retired as the undefeated ufc light heavyweight champion maybe moved up to heavyweight later in the career got double champ who knows but after a long and unprecedented career you can go anywhere and you can do anything, obviously. Where would you move? Would you stay in Grand Rapids or would you move somewhere else? And what would you like to do to fill up your days? Um, as far as the moving goes, I mean, I pretty much, I, I, at least uh, if I accomplish everything I plan on accomplishing, I'll be able to have a house here and a couple other places wherever I want to, wherever I want to be and, and divide my time up there, spend time with my family and then, you know, just. They brought the fruits of my labor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Uh, so multiple homes. Is there? Is there like? Is there like a hobby that you like doing? Is there? Are you an outdoorsman? You know? Is there? Is there anything that 
you really love doing outside of the cage you can see yourself doing more in the future go do things you see me and my team up running up running the mountain and things you know go swimming places i've never been swimming at you know what i'm saying just say just see things experience new things i definitely like to do all I don't like to get too crazy though. You ain't, you ain't gonna see me doing no skydiving or no shit like that. <laughs> you won't see me doing any skydiving either, sir. I assure you of that. None, so, none uh, so you basically you'd be traveling around. We'd have we'd have multiple homes and multiple locations, just hanging with the family, having fun, doing doing all kinds of just fun, whatever you felt like doing. That's kind of the uh, that's kind of the, the the wrap up on that one. That's too cool, my man. Uh, Jamal, it was, that's it, man. That's the 10 rounds of Rondo. We, we cracked through it. Uh, you know, usually, usually it feels like it went by in two minutes and this was no exception. Uh, we are huge, huge fans of yours, uh, here at combat sports with Rhino. We cannot wait to see what's next for you. You know, we are so proud, not just as fellow Michiganders, but you know, we're so happy to have you out there representing our state, uh, the way you are. Please, Please keep going. We are we are we are all behind you and Michigan standing up for you. And uh, we really we really look forward to seeing what's next for you in your career. Thank you. I appreciate that. Just all right. Well, we loved it. We loved it. Yes, sir. No, I'm just saying I'm just going to keep going, man. Keep doing what I've been doing. Keep grinding. We're going to see where we turn up. Well, we, we, we believe over here that the uh, where you end up is going to be with the 205 belt around your waist in the not-too-distant future. So that's what we see. And, uh, Jamal, again, thank you so much for joining us. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Man, Jamal, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and taking the time today. We all really were impressed by your last performance, and we really look forward to uh, following you for the rest of your, well, well, I'm sure will be a long and successful UFC career at, at, uh, at Light Heavyweight, dude. So thank you very much again. So we are now going to move into the part of our show where I give my shout-outs. I definitely have to thank my dear friend Cyrus King at Cyrus King, my man Jim Asun, Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz at Solo Shoes, the Einstein of graphic design, and my dear friend Ryan the Mixed Man, Juice from the Funny With Myself podcast for your guys' questions today. To all my friends in the Rhino Gang, thank you for being so great to the show and supporting us week after week. Of course, Drea for her triumphant return with uh, our picks and her Drea's Drop of the Night, which is always a fan favorite. My main man, D. Reigns, the, the engineer with the most. We love, love, love getting our show to you and then seeing what you can put together with it and uh, edit on all my blips and coughs and everything else. Uh, please, everybody in the Rhino Gang and everybody else, please be safe out there. Social distance. Wash your hands. Use sanitizer when you can. And most importantly, that we are all part of this human race. And until there is justice for everyone, there is no justice. I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And we will see you next week. Cage side.